You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Thank you, brother. Let's do this. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 5. It's good to be back with you. As uh, I was in Texas last week, it was a lot warmer there, a lot prettier weather. But it's good to be back uh, preaching here rather than at another church. And so it's uh, like being here with family. And so, so glad that you braved the weather and, and came out. And like Luke said, I've got my phone right here. I've got a connection. Grant Pickney, who's connected to Ryan Vaughn, he's going to text me, stop. That's what I told him, all caps, stop, if things get really bad. So you don't have to freak out and be looking at your radar and distracting everybody around you, okay? Um, Matthew 5 is where we are going to be. This morning, as we continue in our series, The Real Jesus, and if you haven't been with us, um, basically this series, the whole point of it is for us to peel back layer by layer the fake Jesus and to reveal who the real Jesus is according to the Bible. And so that's who we're interested in, right? We don't care about the fake Jesus. He's weak. He's puny. He's not able to help us. And so we want to know the real, beautiful, awe-inspiring, powerful Jesus that we find in Scripture. And so Matthew 5 is where we'll be. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd like to give you a copy. We have ESVs on a table out front. You can grab those for free. Um, but if you don't have one with you right now, we'll put it on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And here's our verse for this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray one more time before we get into our sermon. Father, we cannot hunger and thirst for you apart from your Holy Spirit opening our eyes. And so in the midst of uh, what seems like some sometimes chaos around us and, and so many distractions. I pray that in the time that we have, that you will seize this moment, that we will have a moment with you where we will leave transformed for our good and for your glory. And uh, Father, I do thank you so much that spring and summer are just around the corner. Amen. All right. If you've been with me very long, you would not be surprised by the fact that I was a dynamic athlete in high school. Could have played, could have played just about any sport I wanted. But instead, the, the sport that I chose was this one. There it is. That's me. That's my senior year of high school. And what you can't see is underneath that shirt is about 120 pounds of twisted metal. And a gold, 14 karat gold tennis charm on a necklace. Um, that was me. I played tennis. You can remove that. It's distracting all of us. And if you're not here because of the ice and you're hearing this on the podcast, you're missing out. So, um, yeah. So anyways, I started playing tennis my sophomore year in high school. I'd never played before. Tried up for the team. Barely made it. There was eight spots on the tennis team. I was the number eight seed. And so I uh, played that year. And actually the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I wanted to try really hard to make the team my junior year. I was afraid I might get pushed out by somebody else coming up. And so I uh, hired a tennis instructor and spent my whole summer just learning how to play tennis the right way. Forehand, backhand, serve, all that kind of stuff. And uh, just, I mean, literally pretty much every day I was at the tennis courts practicing. And so whenever my junior year came around, 
uh, when I tried out for the team, I actually didn't just make the team. I went from being the eighth seed to being the number one seed on the team. And so I had a really good, just impressive junior season. All went really well, did good in district. And so the problem is, the summer before my senior year, I got complacent. And I thought, man, I've got this down. I mean, how hard can this really be? I'm going to be a senior next year, so I should, I should be even better my senior year than I was my junior year. And so I really didn't apply myself, really didn't work hard. And so whenever tennis season came around my senior year, I made the team and I was our number one seed. But towards the middle of the season, I was losing games that I should have been losing. And when it came to district, I was expected to win district. I was our number one seed and kind of just went in there, really kind of conceded, kind of complacent, thinking I'll oh, we'll just breeze through district and made it to the district championship. And I thought, yeah, just as I expected, and I'm going to smoke this cat. And he ended up beating me in three sets. And at the athletic award banquet, our coach even, he was going to present me with the most valuable player uh, award for our team. And he even said in his introduction before he presented me the award is, this kid actually had a really disappointing senior season. <laughs> I was like, wow. But it was true. And the reason it was a disappointing season is because I had become complacent. I had become comfortable with where I was as a tennis player. And I share that story with you because the real Jesus comes on the scene. And what he wants us to see is that when it comes to Christianity, complacent can be a killer. Right? When we come to a place where we're comfortable and we're no longer pushing and moving forward, uh, we're actually moving backwards. Okay? And we're hurting ourselves. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What he's saying here is blessed are those Christians who don't become complacent. Blessed are those who know they're poor in spirit, as he's already mentioned in this sermon, who know that they have sin in their life and they mourn sin and they long to be freed from that sin. He uses words here, he says, that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you think about hunger and thirst, when your body is hungry, it's thirsty, it's your body's way of telling you you're lacking something. Right? You need nutrients or, or you need water. And as a Christian, we should be people who are constantly hungering and thirsting for God. We should have this internal longing that says, things are not perfect yet. I'm still lacking. I still need. And therefore, we should be hungering and thirsting, he says, for righteousness. Now, I want to be really clear. Fellowship Paragold is a place where it is okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay here. Some of you, maybe you've been afraid to be involved in church or, or you got involved in a church at some point and, and you felt like when you were there that you had to look just right. You had to say all the right things, right? You, you felt like everybody else was just so much better than you. And, and so, you, you know, we're always kind of faking the fact that maybe you feel, you know, or that you look perfect. Even the pastors that are on stage, it's like they have a cape flying in the wind, like they have it all together. And that's not who we want to be as a church. We want this to be a place where people know, like, it's okay to not be okay. In fact, all of us are jacked up, including your pastors, right? That's why we try to be transparent, even behind the, the podium here. And we try to share our own weaknesses. This really is a place where it's okay to not be okay. But listen, it's not okay to want to stay there. It's not okay to be okay with your sin, and the reason why is because the real Jesus says, when you become complacent with where you are in your walk with God, you actually will miss out, he says, on the satisfaction that we are all longing for. Right? He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Now let's talk about satisfaction for a second. Satisfaction is something that every single one of us in here are longing for. Can we at least agree with that? Right? When you go to the movies, you want to be satisfied. You cook a meal or go eat out, you want to be satisfied. When you choose that job or that career path, you're hoping it will satisfy you. When you choose that spouse, you hope that you will find some sort of satisfaction in that spouse. We look everywhere all the time for satisfaction. And the real Jesus comes on the scene and says, you want to be satisfied. It doesn't come from the things the world offers you. But the only way that we will really be satisfied is when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our boy Solomon says it this way in Ecclesiastes 114. He said, I've seen all things done under the sun. You know anybody else that can say that? I mean, have you ever met anybody that said, I've seen it all? Solomon was a guy that had a bigger house than any of us will ever have. He had more money than any of us will ever have. At one time, he had like a thousand women at one time, the Bible says. He had all the best foods. He probably knew all the celebrities. He says, I've seen it all. I've experienced it all. But here's his conclusion in verse 14. I've seen all things that are done under the sun. And all of them are meaningless and chasing after the wind. He says you can get the whole world underneath the sun. And it's meaningless. It will not satisfy you. He goes on in Ecclesiastes 3.11. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. He says... God has created everything beautiful in its time, and He has placed eternity in the heart of men. Now, listen, this is so important. What that verse is saying is that when God created you, He placed in your heart a desire for something eternal. He placed in your heart a desire for something that cannot fade away, something that cannot let you down, something that will continue to go on for eternity. But the only person that fits that bill is who? God. And so what God did is when He created you, according to the Bible, He placed in your heart a desire for God. Now the problem is, because of sin, we don't see God as the one that meets our needs. And so we say, I need a new spouse. I need a new job. I need more money. If I can just get all these things, then I will be satisfied. But Solomon says, no, 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 no. Those things will not give you what your heart is longing for the most. I wonder this morning, how many of you really believe that? I wonder how many of you really believe that if you had a bank account that was loaded with money, then you would be satisfied. I wonder how many of you really believe that if all of your relationships could be solid, then you would be satisfied. I wonder how many of you think that if your kids made the honor roll, were completely healthy, then you would finally be satisfied and would need nothing else. The truth is you can have all of that and you will not be satisfied. You will not be fulfilled. You can have a nice house with a nice flat screen TV and all the channels in the world and you would not be satisfied. Believe it or not, you could be a fan of the greatest sports team of all time, the St. Louis Cardinals. Amen? Check yourself. And you still would not be satisfied because they choke in the World Series and things like that. We can have it all, but we will not be satisfied if we do not have God because He is the one we were made for, the Bible says. Our hearts cannot find rest, cannot find peace apart from Him. And that's why the real Jesus comes on the scene and He says, you want satisfaction? Pursue God. 
You want to be fulfilled? You want to have the longings of your heart met? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does it look like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? David gives us a pretty good picture in Psalm 42.1. He says, As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. Some of you have heard that verse before and you think it's just this little cute verse that you can throw on a poster and with a little deer like sipping water out of a stream. and It's like, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God. This is not a cute verse. This is an agonizing verse. What David said is, as a deer is dehydrated and feverishly searching for water before it dies, so that's the way my soul is before you, God. Like, I need you. Oh, how I I need you. There is no casual Christianity here. There's no indifference in David. He says, I need you. And if I don't have you, I will die. I thirst for you. I hunger for you. Martin Luther, the great reformer, if it wasn't for Martin Luther, we would all be in a Catholic church and none of us would have a copy of our own Bible. God used him in incredible ways to stand up and be courageous and, and speak truth. And so that's why we are we are today. He said this, God, if you ever forsake me, if I should ever be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. Are you that desperate for God where you say, man, I I don't care what else I have. If I don't have you, I'm in trouble. Like, I will wreck it all. Augustine, who was one of the greatest church theologians ever, used to be a womanizer. used to pursue all the pleasures of the world. And God saved him at a later age and he wrote of his conversion. And here's what he says. How sweet all at once it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which which I once feared to lose. And one time he says, there are things in the world that I hung on to and I thought I needed them to be happy. But then you rid me of all those fruitless joys. You drove them for me. You who are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them for me and took their place. You who are sweeter than all pleasures. You who surpass all honor, though not in the eyes of men who see honor in themselves. O Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, my salvation, you are sweeter than all pleasures. Do you know that God? Is He sweeter than all pleasures? Brother Lawrence, a 16th century monk who wrote a book called Practice of the Presence, He says in his book, I have at times had such delicious thoughts of the Lord, I'm ashamed to mention them. (laughs) I almost feel dirty just saying that. Like, I don't know what to do with it. I haven't had delicious thoughts really about anything but steak, you know. And here's a guy who, who says, I've had such delicious thoughts of the Lord, I'm ashamed to mention them. It sounds weird, but it also doesn't sound like what it would mean to hunger and thirst for the Lord. As I read these quotes this past week, I'll be honest, I began to be worried about us because I began to wonder, not why do men talk that way in the past, but why do so few of us talk that way? You listen to the stuff that we talk about and we get excited about. And then you listen to how we speak of God and it almost seems like many of us have become complacent in our relationship. We just kind of hit the cruise button. 
We're not desperate for Him. We don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so here's why I think that might be. And I want you to listen up. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm complacent right now, honestly. Like, I don't hunger for God. I'm not spending time in the Word. I don't, I mean, my prayer life is feeble. Like, no, I just don't feel, I need, I need more money. I need a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I feel like I need all these other things, but I don't really feel like I need God. There's three reasons and only three reasons why I could come up with this week why I think that might be. And I want you to listen and I want you to figure out which one is you? If you're complacent in your life right now, with the, if you're content with the amount of God you have, the first reason might be this. It's because you are sitting here today and you are dead in your sins. Dead people don't do anything. And if you are dead, you don't hunger and you don't thirst. It's over. Some of you here, you are dead in your sins. Your eyes have not been opened how beautiful God is. And therefore, you can't see how amazing He is. You can't hunger and thirst for something you've never tasted. Maybe some of you here, you are not truly Christians. Maybe some of you, if you're here today and you're complacent, it's not because you're dead. But maybe for you, it's because you're sick. Right? Sick people don't hunger and thirst, really, if you're really sick. And some of you, because of circumstances of life, because you've busied yourself to death, because you've stopped spending time in the Word, stopped spending time in prayer, you've not been regularly worshiping with others corporately, you've not been involved in community, you are now sick spiritually. And you no longer hunger and thirst for God. Maybe for some of you it's not because you're dead or not because you're sick, but maybe the third reason might be this, and it will settle with some of you. Maybe the reason some of you are complacent in your walk with God is because you have stuffed yourself with the junk food of the world. And you've left no room to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I remember when I was in high school, I was a pretty pathetic looking individual. I wasn't really healthy. I was sick a lot. I was skinny. And the reason for that is because I was pretty malnourished. And one of the reasons that is is because we had the cookie kiosk at Paragould High School. Anybody here from Paragould, were you, were you there when they had the cookie kiosk? Anybody else? Were those not the best cookies in the world? They were phenomenal. I'm pretty sure they just nuked cookie dough and wrapped it in saran wrap and gave it to us. It's like you could drink it. It was amazing. And I would go to lunch and I would just eat cookies. And therefore I wouldn't want everyone to eat what was on the plate. And then when I'd go home after school... We'd always have Oreos or we'd have chocolate chip cookies and I would grab those and I needed a little snack, right? And so I would eat some more and then mom would come home and she'd cook a good meal. But I was never hungry because I had stuffed myself with all this junk. And because of that, I was really malnourished and I was a really unhealthy kid. And maybe that explains where some of you are spiritually today. I mean, you think about how you're spending your time. Think about what you're putting into your body, into your mind, into your heart. You've stuffed yourself with the things of the world and therefore you do not hunger and thirst for God. And what the real Jesus wants you to see today is you are in a dangerous place because you are missing out on the satisfaction that you are really longing for that only God can give you. And I think also too, like part of the problem is, even as I say this right now, there are some of you probably sitting here who you play this game. You say, okay, you know what, Jared? Like, yeah, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but at least I'm better than those people. There's always a those people, isn't there? And they're always worse than us. It's like, yeah, at least, I mean, I know my kids don't have it all together, but at least they're not midget demons like those people's kids. You know? 
It's like, I know that I don't eat exactly healthy and I don't exactly live a totally healthy life, but I'm not near as unhealthy as those people. I know I don't really know the Word. I don't spend much time in it. I don't pray, but man, I'm a lot better than those people. And you know what the problem is when you begin to do that? Is you begin to make people your standard of righteousness rather than God. And your pursuit of righteousness is based off of people rather than God's pursuit of righteousness. And the problem with that is, is you begin to think you're actually a pretty good person. You're doing just fine. But the Bible says in Isaiah that your righteousness is as a filthy rag before God. But you don't see it that way. You're doing fine. And therefore, there's no desperation, just complacency. No hungering and thirsting for more of God. And what Jesus says is, that's where you are today. You are in trouble. Guys, only whenever you realize that you're empty, will you be filled. Only when you are hungry, will you be healthy. Only when you are thirsty, will you thrive. And so what about it this morning? Can we just be honest? I know it's church, but can we just be honest? And peel back the layers of religion? I know I'm in front of a crowd, but I'm in front of a crowd of of individuals. For you, do you hunger and thirst for God? And if not, why not? What do you hunger and thirst for? Are you desperate for Him? Or are you looking to something else in the world to try to satisfy you? If that's you this morning, if you have come become complacent. Let me read this quote to you as we're coming to an end of our message this morning. C.S. Lewis, some of you know him from writing the Chronicles of Narnia, but he's famous for much more than that. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. The reason some of you are looking to drugs and alcohol and pornography and entertainment and a big bank account and freedom, it's not because those things are better than God. It's because you're far too easily pleased. You're far too easily pleased. You have no idea what satisfaction awaits you. And so you build your life on things that will not deliver and will not give you what your soul wants the most. And the real Jesus comes on the scene. He says to you this morning, you have an opportunity. Right now, you have an opportunity. No matter what you've done or where you've come from. He says, do you want to live? You want to be satisfied? You want to be fulfilled? Pursue righteousness. Hunger and thirst for God. Realize you don't have it all together. Realize that you're weak, and in your weakness, and in your failures, and in your emptiness, look to Him, and you will be satisfied. If you were complacent this morning, you know what the greatest thing God could do for you is? The greatest thing God could do for some of you is absolutely wreck your life. Some of you, what you need more than anything is for God to absolutely wreck your life. To pull things away from you that you think will satisfy you. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But if God is better than the things that we're looking to, whether it be our kids or our finances or our jobs, would that the best thing He'd do is rip those away from us to where we realize in our desperation that we need to turn to a Savior who alone can satisfy us and give us what we need the most?
I hope it doesn't come to that place for some of us. But my prayer has been for me this week, and at first I prayed it for y'all. <laughs> and then I was like, I may have to pray it for myself too. As I begin to pray, God, if this is me, if I become complacent, what I ask that you do for me is remove your hand of protection from my life. Help me to sin so shockingly. Or for the things that I love to mess me up so badly that I turn to you in desperation. Imagine a world where you can stop living for the approval of others because God alone satisfies you. You don't need that pat on the back to satisfy you anymore. Imagine a world where you don't have to run to pornography or drugs or alcohol to fill a gap because God has filled that gap. Imagine a world where no matter if you're poor, no matter if you have no friends, no matter if you lose your job, you can still be satisfied and you can say, because I have all I need in God. May we be a people who press into the Father. May we be a people who are desperate for Him. May we never become a people who are complacent. May we never be a people who are content with the amount of God that we have in our life. May we hunger and thirst for Him and discover the satisfaction that is promised to all of those who trust in the real Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and we're going to dismiss in just a moment. But before we do that, as always, I just want to encourage you to not let this moment escape you. And just take some time, and, and would you just do this at least? Ask the Father through His Spirit to reveal to you why it is that you're complacent. For some of you, maybe it's because you're dead in your sins. Maybe you've settled for the religious Jesus, but you've never met the real Jesus. And so your life has not been transformed. Your eyes have not been opened. Maybe for some of you this morning, you need to become a Christian for the first time. And we want to encourage you, if that's you, to come and talk with me or talk with another pastor or someone you came with. And we would love to pray with you and help you know what the next steps are. Maybe for some of you it's because you're sick. And you need accountability. You need someone to help you get back into the Word. Get back into praying. Guys, you don't go to the gym when you get in shape. You go to the gym to get in shape. If you're waiting for that desire to happen before you get into God's Word and before you begin to pray, it's not going to happen. And so some of you, you need to stop being feelings-driven and you need to ask for help. You need accountability. We would love to give you the resources you need to help you grow in your walk. Maybe for some of you have been stuffing yourself with the things of the world. Maybe some of you even are struggling with addictions to those things. You really believe they're going to offer you more, that creation can give you more than the Creator. And if that's you today, I pray that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will repent of those things, that you will turn from them and you will look to Jesus and trust that He is enough. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. And due to the weather, what we're going to do is, rather than having a, uh, a song before communion today, we're going to just enter right into communion. Is that right, Luke? Okay. Are you going to play us a little something, or are we going to walk out in silence? How's that going to work? Okay, sounds good. So if you're helping with communion, go ahead and come on up. If it's your, it's your first time here, how we do communion, uh, it's, it's open to you if you're a Christian. Um, if you're not a Christian, I mean, you're more welcome to partake, but it's just bread and juice to you. It's nothing that's uh, going to help God love you more or forgive you of any sins or answer any answer prayer. And so this is really for, for those of us that believe that our righteousness is actually found in Christ. 
And so he is the perfect righteousness on our behalf. That's why we take the bread and when we dip it in the juice, we're reminded that he has atoned for all of our sins. Communion is a way that we are showing that we hunger and thirst for God. And so if you're a Christian, you're invited to do it. And so what we do is, is after I pray today, the way it'll work is you can just file down and we will have um, a couple of different stations right here. We'll have bread and juice on this side and then bread and juice on um, this side as well. So you can walk through and you can partake of that. And then we'll have a giving basket as usual. If you are a part of this church family, um, you can give. If you're not a part of this church family, we don't ask you to give anything, right? We just want this to be a gift to you, this service, okay? So let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you so much for meeting my needs. Thank you for being gracious enough to pursue me, even as a 20-year-old who was pursuing all these other things to try to find hope and peace and satisfaction. And thank you for giving me everything that my soul has longed for. Help me and, and help us as a church family to never become complacent, to never become content. Help us to be a people who realize that we really do need you, not just on Sunday mornings, but every second of every day in our life. Help us to be a people desperate for you and to live with so much contentment that no matter what the world throws at us, that we will not be shaken and we will not be destroyed and we will live with an incredible amount of joy and other people will see that joy and that love in us and they will not be able to to help but want more of you. I thank you for each person here today. I pray that you will give them safe travels and continue to bless their family for their good and your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.